Hello, I'm Ronnie Lutz. This is The Liner Project. This is the end, beautiful friend. This is the end, my only friend, the end. At least of this season, we're not talking about the doors today, though. We're going to talk about Jello Biafra. He's made a couple of appearances on this show, probably because I really dig Jello. Like the first time Biafra was talked about in the Ice-T Freedom of Speech episode, this episode will have some language that isn't suitable for certain audiences. I think anytime you have Jello Biafra, you're probably going to have a little language that may not be suitable. Today I'm going to talk about another one of my favorite songs, which all these songs are, as I've said. Today is uh, Holiday in Cambodia by the Dead Kennedys, a great punk band written by Jello Biafra. Jello Biafra was born Eric Reed Boucher, or Boucher, I don't know how you pronounce it, B-O-U-C-H-E-R, Boucher, I don't know. He was born in 1958 in Boulder, Colorado. It's probably not Boucher, that would be if he was born in New Orleans. Uh, but that might explain a lot about his future being born in Boulder. His mom was a librarian and his dad was a psychiatric social worker. And even as a child, he was interested in international politics. He watched the news constantly, and one of his earliest memories is of JFK being assassinated in 1963. So he would have been five years old. That probably takes a toll on a five-year-old. By 1977, he was a roadie for a punk band named The Ravers. In 1978, he responded to an advertisement by a guitarist that would eventually become the guitarist for the Dead Kennedys. His name was East Bay Ray. I'm sure his parents didn't name him East Bay, but, you know, that's what he went by anyway. East Bay Ray and Bihavra formed the Dead Kennedys. He started using the stage name Occupant, but soon switched to a combination of the brand name Jello and the short-lived African state of Biafra. Biafra, the African state, was officially called the Republic of Biafra and was a secessionist state in West Africa that existed for three short years during the Nigerian Civil War. Biafra mostly consisted of the homeland of the Igbo peoples, spelled I-G-B-O, but I believe it's pronounced Igbo. After two and a half years of war, almost two billion Biafran civilians died from starvation caused by a total blockade of the region by Nigeria. Almost three quarters of the two million civilians that died were small children. Biafra surrendered in 1970, and became a part of Nigeria again. Back to uh, Jello Biafra, instead of the Republic of Biafra. He wrote all the band's lyrics. Since he couldn't play any instruments very well, their bassist, Klaus Floride, which, once again, don't think that's a real name, suggested that he sing the parts, or kind of like hum the parts to the band, and he would sing the riffs and melodies into a tape recorder, and then the band would make music from that. I haven't heard of anyone else doing it this way. I'm sure there are, but I haven't heard of it. Later on, it would cause some issues between uh, Jello Biafra and the rest of the Dead Kennedys because he said the music was his, but obviously he hummed it, and then they made the music from that. So there was a they sued each other. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> the Dead Kennedys' first single, "California Uber Alice," is an amazing song that I almost included in this season instead of 
Holiday in Cambodia, but I chose Holiday in Cambodia because, one, it's Biafra's favorite Dead Kennedy song, and the story of Cambodia is a little more interesting than California Uber Alice. Holiday in Cambodia starts out by saying, So you've been to school for a year or two, and you know you've seen it all. And at his coffin, can you go far back east, you die, don't crawl. Biafra is talking about the silver spoon overeducated white college students. He then says, Play a sneaky jazz with the radio snazz on your five-grand stereo. Bragging that you know how the niggas feel cold and the sun's got so much so. Biafra is slamming seemingly well-meaning activist college kids because they think they understand the poor urban ethnic groups while they have stereos that cost five grand. Biafra is known for using over-the-top language, and here he uses the, in quotations, racial slur to emphasize the inherent racism in the behavior of the silver spoon white college students. And then we move on to what Biafra says would help these types of people. Biafra tells them they should spend some time with the people that they talk about needing help, and that takes us to the chorus. This song has so much stuff in it. Cambodia, at the time Biafra wrote this, was experiencing one of the worst atrocities in history inflicted upon a country and its people. The Communist Party of Kampuchea also known as the CPK, or the Khmer Communist Party, was a party led by Pol Pot, and its followers were generally known as the Khmer Rouge, which translates to Red Khmers. I will get into the atrocity in a bit, but we will continue with the song for now. Verse 2 gets back to talking to the so-called activists of the time. You're a star, you suck like a leech, you want everyone to act like you. This verse, and the reference to a star-belly sneech, is brilliant. The Sneeches is a book by Dr. Seuss, where some Sneeches have stars on their bellies and some Sneeches do not. The star-belly Sneeches discriminate against the Sneeches that do not have stars. They think they are better than the Sneeches that do not have stars. Sylvester McMonkey McBean comes around and charges the Sneeches without stars, $3 to put a star on their belly. Of course, this makes the original star barely sneeches angry, so McBean charges them $10 to take that star off. After going back and forth and giving all of their money to McBean, they eventually realize that sneeches are sneeches, none better or worse. And you can tell in the line, but your boss gets richer off of you. In this instance, that's McBunky, McMonkey McBean. <laughs> that's hard to say. McMonkey McBean. Say that ten times fast. So I suggest you go read The Sneeches by Dr. Seuss if you haven't. It's a good read. I had never heard of it until I started doing some research into this song and wondered why he said you're a star belly sneech. But a cool reference nonetheless. Then Biafra brings back up the Khmer Rouge. Khmer Rouge was mostly made up of poor uneducated peasants from the country 
who believed that all people that lived in the city were evils and enemies of communism. Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge took control of Cambodia in 1975 and forced evacuated everyone from the cities and made them work on farms and in labor's camps. People were forced to work 16 hours per day and were only given one bowl of rice. Many, an estimated 1.7 to 2.5 million people, died from starvation or being systematically murdered. Approximately 1.3 million of those deaths were from execution. It was roughly 33% of the population of Cambodia at the time. The Khmer Rouge regime imposed black unisex clothing in an effort to enforce equality by making people indistinguishable from each other. The last line of the verse is saying that if you didn't do what you were told, you would crack, meaning you would be tortured until you cracked. The author uses crack to bring some levity, but the actual meaning is not funny. Once again, Biafra being over the top was in, with his lyrics. Pol Pot, born Saloth Sar, was the leader of the Khmer Rouge from 1975 to 1979. In 1979, the Khmer Rouge government was toppled, but amazingly enough, Pol Pot lived fairly peacefully until 1998. He was put in house arrest in 1998, just before he died. In his last interview, he told Nate Thayer that his conscience is clear and said, I want you to know that everything I did, I did it for my country. He also rejected the idea that millions had died, saying, To say that millions died is too much. You know, for the other people, the babies, the young ones, I did not order them to be killed. He died of heart failure a little later and was never convicted for any of his crimes against humanity. Well, that's going to end this season of The Liner Project. I hope you've had a good time. I've certainly had a good time recording it. Now I'm going to take a couple months off and we'll be back with season two. I have asked people to send in songs if they want to suggest some. I've got a few back and I will be looking into them over the next couple months to get ready. I do want to appreciate everyone that has listened. And you can find me at The Liner Project on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter. You can find the website at thelinerproject.com. You can find me personally, at Ronnie Lutz, on Twitter, if you so desire. We'll, we'll be back in a couple months. Have a good one.